Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 30 of the Top Talk Talk podcast. I'm your host, Harrison Reno, and this episode of the Top Talk Talk is presented by Retros by Paul. Retros by Paul is an Atlanta-based business which offers you a large selection of unique, antique, modernized furniture and jewelry. Thank you, Retros by Paul, for supporting the Top Dog Talk. And we are back here on the Top Dog Talk podcast. I'm your host, once again, Harrison Reno, back here with episode number 30 of the Top Dog Talk podcast. Joining me today, just four days out, well, actually, it's three days out when you're listening to this, from September 4th, a Saturday at 7.30, inside of Bake America Stadium, the dog taking on the Clemson Tigers, a top five match today. For, as we run it back from a year ago, from this time, a little bit last year, uh, when Georgia opened up with Arkansas, my good friend, a fellow podcast host, Jamie Griffin of the Dogcast, joins us here today. Mr. Jamie, thank you for joining us here today on the Top Talk Talk. Hey, man, it's glad to be back on. I um, had a lot of fun with you last time. Look forward to talking about Clemson. Yes, and you know, I think the expectations have raised a little bit since we last talked. I know going into the last year, you know, I, I think, you know, just kind of off the top of my head, the, the big conversation was quarterback and mainly the offense and, you know, trying to, I don't think we spent too much time talking about the defense um, just because of the talent that they had returning this year and, and, and kind of the roles have, have reversed, uh, if you will, for offense and defense. And, you know, I'm just going to start it out, you know, there's a lot of expectations riding on this season. So I want to kick it over to you as a fellow podcast host of the Dogcast. You know, what are your expectations for not really not only Clemson, but this season as a whole for Georgia? As a, as a whole, I have, I, have, I have big expectations. Clemson's a little different. I've had to temper them just a bit going into game one. Um, yeah, so I, I don't want to set my expe- expectations too high. We've got, as everyone knows, we're battling a lot of injuries, um, especially the skill positions. And, you know, we we just didn't see a ton out of the offense last year. We did see some progression. We saw what Munkin can possibly do. We saw JT kind of solidify the position for us for the first time and, and feels like quite some time. But we didn't see the dynamic offense that I think we'll see by the end of this year. So I'm not certain that that's going to take place in week one. Um, I think that's asking a lot. But by the end of the season, end of the season, yeah, I think we should be we'll be clicking on all cylinders and reaching heights on the offense that maybe we've never seen before. Yeah, you know, I, I think the last four games, you know, really sparked. A lot of hype for this year. I, I think you know if we didn't have those, if, if we didn't, t- you know, if Georgia didn't win the games like they did those last four games. You know, I don't think there would be as, this much hype. I, I, there's always hype going into a Georgia season, uh, but I mean, it, it, it's up there uh, in, in recent memory for you know. I, I think following the national championship uh, game, you know that that we frankly all of us in this space don't really talk about anymore, and I don't think we want to. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of hype writing on this season, so I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how they come out um, in this marquee matchup, if you will. You know, it's a top five game, all eyes, prime time on ABC. You know, that's a big game. And I think, uh, you know, I just want to get your thoughts because, you know, like you said, Georgia has a lot of injuries 
um, not really a lot. And I think it's being sensationalized uh, a lot in the media right now in the lead up to this game. But, you know, what is where does Georgia look uh, offensively this week? You know, what are you expecting? Are you expecting the air raid show, Todd Munkin to throw the whole book at JT Daniels? Or are you looking for the more traditional, uh, you know, let's let's lean on our running back stable to kind of help us out? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, we're going to have to run the ball. Let's not get it twisted. We're not going full-on air raid, and we're just going to abandon the run game all of a sudden. Not the case. Um, could it be a more passing balance or a heavy passing attack versus years of the years past. I mean, very well could, I mean, but, but to talk about the offense, I mean, we kind of have to talk about what Clemson gives us. I mean, we know what their defense is, so we're going to be battling a heavy blitz most of the game. So, I mean, it's some, some screen game and then to be able to attack over the top when the blitz is coming. So, yeah, I mean, I'd say that we're going to see maybe our heaviest passing attack that we'll see all season in game one. And I think, you know, you bring up a good point, you know, with their heavy blitz, I think that's something that has been pointed out a lot uh, over this offseason, just how much they blitz on third down. I mean, it, it, it's noticeable uh, in, in the game against Ohio State in the playoff, both Ohio State games over the last few years. And you look at against Notre Dame both times, you know, Brett Venables loves sending pressure um, to the QB on third down. And I think that's where JT uh, excels. I think that's what we saw uh, you know, last year at the end of last year, especially against Mississippi State and Cincinnati. So it's, you know, can he continue to be that precise uh, with his passing and connect on those big plays as he did against what many would perceive as lower competition? You know, can he do that on the big stage? So I, I think that's the big question for me. And I think, you know, you, you said it best. It, it's going to be a balance. You know, it, we, we, we want to be balanced. Georgia wants to be balanced in their attack. You know, you're definitely going to have to look at the run game. Uh, you know, I was talking about last week on air on episode 29 that Georgia, you know, I want to see them run the ball, but I don't want to see them run themselves into third and longs, you know, third and sevens, third and eights, uh, and put us behind and put Georgia behind the sticks, you know, as they did at times last year and definitely before that time. So, you know, getting into that, we talked about the screen game, you know, th this was a criticism that Aaron Murray had on the punt and pass last week was, or this past week that Georgia didn't have a Jalen Waddle or Henry Ruggs that can take a screen pass, you know, 90, 80, 60, you know, explosive uh, plays to the end zone. You know, who, who are you looking at, you know, in that receiving core as that guy that you would say, okay, if I'm Todd Monkin and I want to screen, I'm hitting this guy up. I mean, easily James Cook, um, to to say that that Cook couldn't take one to the house, I mean, I th I think that's um that that's working too hard to not show bias to the school you used to play for, I believe. Um, so yeah, I, I yeah, I don't see any reason why Cook couldn't be heavy in the screen game, a and anything behind the line of scrimmage to Jermaine Burton is fun. I mean, it, the the kid just seems to make plays, and I I don't see why he couldn't be featured heavily in the same, in the same respect. Um, 
and, and maybe not your most dynamic speedster on the team, but I mean, I'd work Kendall in the backfield. Um, maybe not going to blow by the entire defense, but to get hard yards and first downs, I mean, I think he'd be a, a tremendous in the screen game opposite of what, you know, like you said, Jalen Waddle was back there, but maybe not less productive. You bring up a good point there. I mean, Kendall Milton, you know, I think uh, the, the one, the one, you know, play out of the backfield that stands out to me is when he made that catch against Cincinnati. Uh, I think he broke three or four tackles and ended up taking a, a second and long into a first down, if I believe. Um, explosive play. You know, that's, the, that's something I, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing him out of the backfield. And, you know, speaking of Kendall Milton, what are your expectations of him? I know we're shooting all over the place, but, you know, obviously he's one of the one of those guys in the backfield that are is going to be fed uh, most likely this weekend. I, I mean, you know, what are your expectations for Kendall heading into a sophomore season after a freshman season where, you know, he wasn't taking much time to get acquainted. I mean, he was a physical runner last year, breaking tackles left and right, bouncing off people and, and being an explosive change of pace back, even though, you know, he, he may not be the fastest back in that backfield. No, he's not. He's he's not the fastest back in the backfield, and there's not many people that can take that claim when you're in a backfield with James Cook. I mean, James Cook is quick. Um, so, yeah, good luck being the fastest back in that backfield. But what Kendall has, I mean, he has he has vision that makes him faster. He sees where he needs to be. He sees the hole. He sees the crease. He's able to get into it quickly with a burst. So even though he didn't get five yards and an eighth of a second, he got where he was supposed to be quicker. Um, you know, going the wrong way fast just gets you where you're not supposed to be fast. <laughs> that that that's the first time I heard that one. That's actually a very true point there um, from Jamie. So you know, and that that obviously, I think you know, when people talk about hitting the hole and seeing the hole um, as a ball carrier, that's a constant criticism of Zemir White. Obviously, the leading rusher. For the dogs last season, you know, he's heading into his final, if my mind serves me correct, he is a senior this year, heading into his final season, you know, I I think we expect a bigger role from him, but at the same time, you know, he has Kendall chomping at the bit right behind him, you know, he has a guy like Kenny McIntosh, who who made plays in that Cincinnati game, sucks that he wasn't able to participate in the spring, because I think he would have benefited from it, you know, Georgia has backed in that backfield, it's just about trying to find a way to use them and, you know, moving on from one skill position to another, you know, the talk of the offseason has been receivers. I, I, I think that's far and away uh, what the focus has been on for Georgia, you know, ever since George Pickens went down in the spring to Jermaine Burton going down for a few weeks to now you get a Rick Gilbert and now he's not with the team right now dealing with personal issues, which is nothing other than personal issues. I, I, you know, I, it, it's, Sorry about that. I think we long he needs to come back. And now you're looking at the extra receiver position. You're looking at Adoni Mitchell and Marcus Rosimi Jack Saint. You know, what are your thoughts on these receivers? I know we talked about it a little bit with, you know, trying to find that explosive play in the passing game, you know, really through screens. You know, what what are your thoughts on a guy like Adoni Mitchell and Marcus Rosemi Jack Saint as they head into, you know, this big game, a big atmosphere, uh, certainly a playoff game this Saturday? Certainly. Um, the, the wide receiver room as a whole is probably my biggest question mark leading into week one. Not questioning talent, so to speak, but I mean, we don't we don't have 
we don't have the big game experience there. I mean, outside of Kieris, who has played in a lot of games for us, we we just don't have a guy that's been someone we can call a go-to in the big moments. They're they're just young or have been injured or for whatever reason, we're, we're either late bloomers and, and just now finding the field, which that may not even be the case. I don't even think we have a Kiers may be the oldest guy we have that's going to be in the rotation. Um, but no, it's the biggest question mark. Um, I think it's one of the most talented rooms, but I do have some questions going in. We're going to need to see some big steps up from from basically all of these guys. And as you mentioned, Adonai Mitchell. Rosemi Jack Saint, they're going to be looking to replace Pickens, and that's a name that's hard to replace. Um, but the good thing is they don't have to do what he does, and one of them doesn't have to do it by themselves. I think this is going to be a by committee, and I think we'll see a heavy dose of both of those guys going in. And you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if the combination of the two of both Adane and Rosemi combined for similar or even more numbers or bigger numbers than Pickens had last year playing the same position. I I think, you know, with what Marcus or Simi Jack St. brings, you know, it, it's very similar. They're both, you know, him and Pickens are both bigger frame receivers. Uh, I believe for Simi Jack Saints, what, six, four, six, five. Um, you know, they're I, both I think it's six, three, six, three. So yeah, I mean, he's still a, you know, he still has decent size to him. Uh, I think he's probably one of the best route runners uh, in that position group uh, right behind maybe Jermaine Burton. And uh, I've heard some whispers that Adoni Mitchell, A.D. Mitchell, is uh, right up there with them as well. So I think, you know, it, it all depends on what Georgia decides to do, to the, uh, do with these guys. Obviously, you got, you know, a guy like Jermaine Burton that you can put in the mix over there at X. Uh, and I, I know he's been working at X and Z um, so far for Georgia. So, you know. They got to find their guy, and I think, like Jamie said, it, it's going to be a rotation. Um, I wouldn't be me personally. I'm not expecting Georgia to have a thousand yard receiver this year. No, I'm not. Either. I mean, could it happen? Yeah, somebody could blow up and just go crazy and be that thousand yard guy. But I mean, if if we're if we're playing with smart money, we're not going to bet that's going to happen. We're just going to assume that somebody gets close. Maybe, maybe a couple guys get close. Maybe three guys get close this year. That's very, very plausible. I mean, it's, it's, I could absolutely see three guys in the 700 to 850 yard range. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, Kier's had a, I think you give Kier's, you know, another, you know, give him a full season. I think Kyrus could have contributed a little bit more. Obviously, you know, his production kind of slipped off uh, in the back half of that year just with kind of the unsteadiness at quarterbacks. But, you know, I think the talent's there. You know, Jermaine's going to be a target early on. You know, Kyrus is going to be up there. I think he'll see more targets with Daniels in these first four games than he did in the last four last year. So, you know, it's not out of the question that Georgia could have some guys very close uh, I'm just not expecting, and I think Jamie reiterated this, we're not expecting someone to come out here and break Terrence Edwards' record and uh, basically the first full year of this Todd Munkin offense. You know, that could be something we see in the next few years down the line. And, you know, that brings us to our next point, talking about this passing game. You know, we got another another weapon that is potentially on the outs for this weekend, uh, you know, dealing with an injury. Obviously, that's Darnell Washington, the big, versatile tight end who – you know, 
could I mean he he can function as a receiver, guys. Don't get it twisted. This guy is every bit of six foot seven. I believe he's listed at 260 pounds, which is ridiculous. Uh how big and how well he moves at that size. You know, he's uh, he getting over a minor foot fracture, uh dealt with I I think he suffered it right at the end of uh, UGA's fall camp. So not something Georgia wants to hear. And with the status in question, you know, obviously not something you want with, you know, guys like Eric Gilbert already being out at the time. You know, you're just getting back Harris Jackson, Jermaine Burton. You know, you're a little bit banged up. John Fitzpatrick was dealing with an injury, you know. So, Jamie, I know we don't have the intel as of right now on whether or not Darnell will play. But, you know, what is the game plan overall at tight end for Georgia this game? You know, obviously you got Brock Bowers. You know, you're going to hopefully you'll have John Fitzpatrick back for this game because he, he's going to help you out in the run game, uh, try and seal the edge there for Georgia in that running game. But, I mean, what are you what are you most looking forward to at that tight end position and kind of what's your what's your vision in game one? In game one, I mean, I, I'm not expecting Darnell to be back. I guess it's not completely out of the question. It wouldn't be a medical miracle, I don't guess. But I mean, I, I don't, I don't really see a way that he's able to play game one. So that's going to leave us to a Fitzpatrick that has missed a lot of this camp, and then a freshman in Brock Bowers. So, you know, again, just like the wide receivers, there's a lot of uncertainties going into that position. And I kind of lump that in with the wide receivers when I say I put the biggest question mark on that room. It's the, it, it's the pass catchers in general. We know what Fitzpatrick can do, like you said, setting the edge and being a, being a fierce blocker, but he doesn't He's not a liability in the passing game, but he's not going to get us out of trouble like Darnell would have if we had to have something. Now, Brock Bowers, he can do that, but the word that I've gotten out of practice is that that Brock Bowers at times has very much looked like a freshman, but has wowed you with a play right after he looks like a freshman. So <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's feast or famine, and that's to be expected from a youngster, especially somebody coming in from the West Coast playing SEC ball and then heading into Clemson. I mean, he's trying to – I mean, he, he's drinking out of a fire hose. He's, he's having to take it all in one shot with no time to breathe. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, Bowers is, is – he's going to make a play in this game or have an opportunity to make a play in this game. I don't think that – I think it'll be, it'll, it'll, it'll be split and situational which one's on the field. And I think with Bowers, you know, and with Finch Patrick as well, because I think we saw it in the Peach Bowl, you know, he only had eight, nine, I believe he was right at um, nine or 10 receptions on the year last year. So, you know, he wasn't, as Jamie said, he wasn't as featured in the passing game just because that's not his, that's not his role. You know, if they want to go to a tight end in the passing game, they have Darnell there. This year, they will have Brock there. You know, they're going to have options at tight end, but I think, you know, something that we could see a lot uh, week one and throughout the year, and I think this is something that I would love to see more of out of the Todd Munkin offense is play action. You know, we saw J, uh, JT rolling out to his right and throwing a dart right across the middle of the field to, I believe it was Darnell Washington, and then he also hit uh, Vince Patrick on the backside um, later in that Peach Bowl. But, you know, trying to get these guys involved early, you know, trying to keep Clemson honest is going to have to be the game plan because, you know, if you're going to, if they're going to load up, and send pressure, um, you know, in an attempt to either uh, get JT, you know, out of the pocket and, and try and force him to make bad decisions, or if it's just to stop the running game of Georgia, which has been the bread and butter for so long. 
you know, they're going to have to utilize play action just to keep these guys honest. And, and that brings, you know, obviously the strength of this Clemson defense is up front. And you could argue that, you know, uh, the second biggest question for Georgia is the offensive line. And it's not really the offensive line as a whole. It's, it's more of a position or two. And I think it all depends on who you put up front. Who's the starting five? You know, we got Jamar. Georgia has Jamari Sawyer. And I think he is, he's, you know, he's a good lineman wherever he is. He can play at a high level at guard. He can play at a high level at left tackle. I even believe he can probably play a high level at a high level at center, which makes him very, very valuable to Georgia. I think he's going to have, you know, he's looking at a good career in the NFL just because he can play all five positions. He's done it in his career. He doesn't have as many reps as he, uh, at center as he does the other positions, but he can do it, which is important. So, you know, Jamie, look at this offensive line. You lose, you know, you potentially lose Warren Erickson to that minor hand injury that he suffered at the beginning of fall camp, but you replace him with Cedric Van Pran. What is your outtake? What is your outlook on this offensive line? Obviously, you know, I wouldn't consider this a downgrade at center just because Van Pran is very capable of stepping up and playing in a big way, uh, you know, as, as as soon as Saturday. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not as concerned about the O-line as a lot of people are. I mean, I expect to see Salyer back at left tackle, Schaefer back at left guard. SVP is filling in for Erickson, and, and, and maybe he'll do well enough to keep the job. But I, I don't think there's going to be much of a drop-off there between the two. I think worst-case scenario – SVP is maybe 95% of what Erickson is supposed to be or best case scenario, he's 110%. So there's, there's some room either way, but I don't think it's going to be a major drop off. Warren McClendon at right tackle. I mean, he's one of the best right tackles we've had. I mean, I'm not worried about him one bit. The only question mark for me is what does Tate Ratledge bring? That's who I expect to be at right tackle. And, I mean, I've heard nothing but great things since the beginning of summer about Tate, how he's learned, how he's progressed physically. And, I mean, it sounds to me like he's, like, single-handedly just locked down that spot. So we'll get an opportunity to see early on. And if he can play at, I don't know, 75% of the hype that's coming out of Athens about him, I think our our O line will perform a little better than most people expect it to. And obviously, talking about Tate Rattledge a little bit, and kind of you know, just can he lock that position down? You know, we're talking about Warren Erickson as well, who who's a guy that can play guard. You know, do you see Erickson playing at all? You know, the Saturday I know uh, with with the cast on your snapping hand, the outlook at playing at center is just it, it, it's not very good. I mean, in, unless injury strikes, I don't think Georgia will play him at center just because you don't want to take that risk of, you know, some bad, uh, some bad exchanges uh, in, in between the center and quarterback, you know, but does Erickson get in there at guard, do you think, or does he sit this one out and trying to get fully back to health? I mean, sheer speculation on this one. I mean, I have to look, try to put myself in the shoes of a coach and I know the coach wants to get his guys that have earned their time on the field. You want to get them on the field, but in a situation like this, I mean, I don't think that Erickson needs to play Saturday unless there becomes a need all of a sudden. If Schaefer just can't get it done or Tate just can't get it done, then maybe he, he's a guy that we have to plug in. But I, I don't see the need of rotating a guy and messing with 
cohesion if it's working right and there's definitely not a reason to to have them get further injured if things go the wrong way so i'm going to lean towards no we don't see him play but um he's definitely available to play a guard position if needed and i i think that's what makes him valuable for georgia is that he you know if called on he can play we know what he brings to the offense we know uh, he brings, you know, high-level IQ, obviously playing center, you know, last year and playing guard the year before. I mean, he was a versatile lineman last year playing every single interior position when called on for Georgia last year. So I think Erickson's good to have. Whether or not he'll be able to get his job back if uh, it, once he returns from injury is still uh, up in the air. Obviously, you got to see how Van Pran plays and whether or not Erickson can come back and height his play uh, to the level that Van Pran plays at or, you know. However that works out for Georgia, you know, they're going to have their hands full, obviously. Clemson brings back nine, you know, nine starters this year. Obviously, most of that personnel is up front. The star power is there. And then you look at the back end. They have nothing but experience. You know, Georgia took away a guy in Deering Kendrick who started, I believe it was over 20 games for them at cornerback for Clemson, you know, in the last two seasons. So, that you know, he was an all-ACC selection on two occasions. I believe he was second team. Uh, two years ago and first team this past year. So, you know, that's not, that's, that's not a, you know, that's, that's a big, that's a, I wouldn't say a big loss for Clemson considering what they have, but that's a humongous game for Georgia in the sense that Georgia's coming off an off season where they lose their number one corner and Eric Stokes, who I think even though that he was a first round pick was supremely underrated. No, I think actually, I think it's a big loss for Clemson. It, it, it hurts them as much as it helps us. Um, I would say their secondary is one of their weaker, weaker position groups. So, yeah, the fact that we have him instead of them, I mean, it, it is definitely a check on our side of the board when we're tallying it up to, to, to see how this game is supposed to go. It would look a lot different if he were starting for Clemson than us. And is that just, you know, experience-based, or is that kind of a mixture of just his talent and, and what he brings to Georgia's it, defense compared to it's, Yeah, it's the whole package. I mean, he's got the experience, but, I mean, th- there was a lot of talk last year that, I mean, he, he he's tracking to be a first-round pick. So it's not like we, we got an experienced player that hadn't produced. We've got an experienced player that can flat-out play. So when you when you add those two things together, you subtract them from the team you're playing and add them to yours. I mean, that's an, that that's the recipe for victory out of that position group, at least. And I think, you know, obviously, you know, there couldn't be a better guy. And I think a lot of the talk I've seen, you know, a lot of the talk on, you know, Clemson's media days uh, just yesterday and today, as of uh, right now, we're recording this on Tuesday. You know, the talk has been, you know, are you, you know, to the Clemson staff, it's, you know, what are you, you know, what's your concern about Darion, you know, handing out some personnel information to, to Georgia and all that. Um, and, and, you know, they, they've shrugged it off and, and they should, you know, there, there's no way a kid's going to come to a new school and just hand their uh, new school, you know, the old school playbook. I mean, that that just won't happen. Um, I can't see that happening. So because, uh, I mean, people adapt, Co- coaches adapt, defenses adapt, offenses adapt year to year. You know, some things will stay the same, but most things, you know, I would say change. So, I, you know, 
he is a big win for Georgia on this part. I think it's you know gonna, he's going to help Georgia out a lot in trying to stop that Clemson air attack. You know, with a young quarterback like DJ Ungle uh, um, I'm going to butcher that name so much throughout this week. I still haven't got it down, even though I've had almost you know 240 days to prepare for this. Um, you know. So, well, you know, if I'm being honest, I, I, I pass on the opportunity to say DJ's name. Um, he's DJ. He's the quarterback at Clemson. He's um, yeah, that, that's what I got. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with the, the Jamie option. Just refer to him as DJ because, you know, that that name. I mean, I think, you know, it, it's going to be more butchered throughout his career than Tua's name was uh, in, in, in the beginning of his career over at Alabama. So, you know. We're talking about Deion Kendrick here and what he brings to that secondary for Georgia. You know, what is your biggest worry in this game about Clemson's offense? Is it the unknown in the sense what DJ brings to that offense, or is it something else that maybe we're not thinking about? I I don't have a, a load of concern um, about their offense. I mean, I know DJ is going to be a very good quarterback. He's going to play at a high level against us. Um, they are what they are. I mean, I expect them to, to, to play at a level similar to what they played at last year. Um, the key for me, it's not a worry. Um, if you go back and look at how they performed last year, the the two games they lost, the one that they came close to losing, um, I think it was Boston college. I want to say they had a combined, in those three games, they rushed for maybe just shy of 300 yards total. So, it, it, again, this isn't a concern. If we can stop the run, make them one-dimensional, then I, I have a real good feeling about how the outcome of this game will be. So this is more of a concern about us than them is, you know, whether or not we can we can turn them into – strictly a passing team can can we suffocate the run make dj beat us with his arm and and, and his legs but yeah if we can do that then i don't think we have a ton to be worried about with the offense we're still gonna have to to do our job but it's not a lot i mean we're, we're not facing 2019 lsu oh most certainly i mean we're, we're, we're facing you know a team that that is coming off a year off season where they lose you know I would say probably their second greatest quarterback of all time in Trevor Lawrence. I don't know where you would rank him. You know, is he right up there with Deshaun Watson or is he even above Deshaun at this point? I mean, their names in the same conversation. I think that's all that matters. I mean, when you get to that level and you can say one's name in the same breath as the others, I mean, they're, they're goat status in Clemson. I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then, you know, you lose – a guy like Travis Etienne, who's been, you know, the mouth that they fed in that backfield. I mean, the best running back to ever suit up in Clemson. And, and you know, I think the one thing that I found in similarities between their losses, and, and this is something that I think that could go George's way is, and I'm kind of curious how that works out this year with DJ, is Trevor Lawrence got hit a lot, and even in games they won. He took a lot of unnecessary hits, I felt like. And I, I know most of that was because, you know, in the latter, uh, latter years of his career, you know, he, he was out of that pocket and scrambling. Even though he, he's known for, you know, his precision and accuracy in the pocket, he was out there playing like a dual-threat quarterback at times. So, you know, how, how does Dabo adjust to DJ? 
you know, does he does he get him out of the pocket? Does he use those read options? You know, does he ask him to make plays with his, with his legs uh, as opposed to his uh, what Kirby Smart said? I believe it was uh, the strongest arm he's ever seen um, from a quarterback in his time as a coach. Uh, you know, obviously that that may be a little sensationalist. I think you know, week to week, y- you build up your opponent, um, so so the victory seems greater. Um, you know, if you can achieve that. So I mean, you know, what would you say is the key? I, I obviously you said you know making them one dimensional. Uh, but you know, is it is it getting pressure for Georgia up front, or is it you know trying to create those takeaways uh, that Notre Dame rode? You know, with the two fumbles from ETN. Yeah, so, I mean, I can't rely on fumbles from a player that's gone now, so I, I've just had to eliminate that altogether. And, and, and I think it is his pressure. It's affecting the quarterback. I mean, it's not necessarily always sacks, but, I mean, he is a young quarterback. I mean, he, he he's got a handful of snaps under his belt. He's got an entire game, and then, what, what did he start, one game last year? Is that it? Uh, he started – too, because he started that Boston College one, which they didn't win very impressively. Uh, right, my head. That's right. So okay, yeah, it was two. So yeah, he's got two games under his belt in his in his career. Um, you you want to keep him moving. You you want him uncomfortable doing things that he didn't plan on doing. Stuff you can't prepare for in practice. There's no way for the quarterback to prepare for live pressure in practice. I don't care what anybody tells you because your linebacker or defensive end or blitzing DB is not going to spear you in the back <laughs> like an opponent. I mean, there's just no way to prepare for it the same mentally. So, yeah, you've got to – you got to flush him out of the pocket. You've, you, you've got to make him do things he couldn't prepare. He couldn't prepare for. And, and I think, you know, like, like you said, I think if anyone were to spear him in the back in practice, they would be kicked out. I mean, there's no question. You, that's the one rule you cannot break. Uh, you know, you can see it on hard knocks when the, when young edge rusher, uh, even as much as touches the quarterback, uh, coaches get on and all that. So, you know, Got got to keep DJ moving. I, I think that's something that Georgia's going to have to find a way to do. Obviously, you know, if, if you go into this game with a guy like Aziz Aljari, you're probably feeling much better about this. But I think Adam Anderson is going to have a big game uh, just because, I mean, you know, his speed rush is elite, I would say. Um, I, I still question um, his overall technique. You know, how does he deal um, with being stood up, you know, when his speed doesn't work? Can he convert to power and win that with technique or, you know, that's, that's my question with him. So, you know, looking at this, you know, kind of wrap this up, uh, you know, I, I like to do a little hot takes. I know, I know we saw on, the, I, I believe on the Twitter feed, um, our friend Brooks Austin said this was one of the few times where uh, he didn't really have a hot take. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll kick it to you. Do you have any hot takes for this game or really predictions um, that maybe, you know, we'll see on your Twitter feed uh, when it's all said and done. You know, I don't. Um, I, and I can't go into this game because there's so many variables. Um, because we've pointed out a few ways that will keep us in this game and give us an opportunity to win, they also have ways that they can do it too. I mean, I, I really see this game being 24, 25, 25, going in late in the fourth quarter, a last possession type of thing. Um, 
So there's, I, I don't think – somebody might think that's a hot take. Maybe a Clemson fan who thinks they're going to beat us by 40. But, no, I, I think that – I mean, this this is a pick em. This This game is a is a toss-up. It, it, they, they are confident. If they do what they're supposed to do, they can beat us. We're confident. If we do what we're supposed to do, we can beat them. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have one. I don't have a hot take. I think this is going to be just an old-school matchup. I mean, who, who, who plays chess the best? And I think that's, you know, that's perfect. I, I, that is the hot take, you know. Who, who's going to play chess the best? Um, you know, I, I think I'm going to go out on a limb here. And this is probably not a hot take at all just because he's done it twice before. You know, I, I, I think, you know, it's a, it's a pretty realistic prediction. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say JT is going to throw for 400 yards again. I think, you know, we're going to see um, his attempts, his pass attempts at, you know, up in the 30s, um, potentially 40s. I don't I don't know if, if he's thrown 40 times um, in week one, if that's a winning formula at this point, um, you know, certainly with some of the receivers they got. But I think he will be up in the 400s when it's all said and done. Um, with that being said, we're going to wrap this thing up because I know Jamie has other things he has to do tonight. And obviously, Jamie, what is going on in your life as of late? You know, you got the dog cast going on, big season coming up. You know, what you got going on? Man, we're doing the same thing we've always done. We're in the bunker, post pregame, postgame, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights. You'll find us there. Um, nothing's really changed for us. We, we signed with a new network, but that doesn't change any of our production or how anything's done, you can still find us in the same spots. Find us at dogcast.com, dogcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, anywhere you listen to your podcast. It's dogcast on iTunes, Spotify. If you're listening, if you're looking, we're everywhere you want to be. Guys, I just want to say thank you to Jamie uh, for joining us today. It, hopefully this becomes a little bit of tradition, get Jamie on to come preview. Um, I mean, this is probably the biggest season opener um, to my recollection in over, you know, maybe a decade. I mean, the, the, maybe the last big opener was Clemson uh, back right. in 13, 14. So, I mean, this is a big game for Georgia. This is going to have high stakes, um, but let's not sensationalize uh, that it is the end, you know, of, either season whoever loses this it is not the end of the season that's just not the case they're going to have you know 11 more games to play uh determine their fate of their season so that was it for episode 30 of the top talk talk podcast i'm harrison reno your host of the top talk talk that was jamie gooman jamie thank you for joining us today here on the top talk talk guys i will see you next week next wednesday as we will be in the aftermath of georgia clemson